0: Good morning. Welcome. I'm actually relatively nervous this morning. And I... I want to tell you why. is because I just feel like God has shared something this morning that I am very excited about. And I... I came to the conclusion that when we worship or we... Read the word or we preach the word that we are doing it for an audience of one. That when I was a a kid, I remember when I first learned to play the drums, I I wanted to play the drums so badly that I was awful for a very long time and to some degree still feel <laughs> as rusty as an old kettle. But I, I I was praying to God one day and I heard God say to me, Just play for me. And I saw a vision. Of, uh, I've shared this quite a few times, but a big open auditorium and a massive big stage and one drum kit in the center of the stage and one person sitting in the massive auditorium. And ever since then, I've tried to keep my eyes on that. That, And I've got to play some pretty big shows and got to speak before quite a, few, a lot of people. But I've always heard God say to me, what you're doing is in the spirit realm. What you're doing is un- unlocking something and releasing something into the spirit realm. So every time I come to this barrel, whether there's a thousand people in this room or one person in this room, I see God showing me something because I'm releasing something into the atmosphere. And I know that can sound a little bit arrogant, um, but I just feel like God has said to me that there's something that I want you to release, and I'm going to do that this morning. And if it lands in the hearts of people, great. And if not, then I just can say, Lord, I did what you asked me to do, so... I tried my best, right? But I, I've been challenged as we've gone along and I am going to bring the announcement as we go, but I've been challenged this week about faith and, and the realm of faith and God revealing something to us as a people. And if you've got a Bible, go to Hebrews for me. Hebrews 11 helps if your Bible's the right way around. I, I feel a little bit like Feel a little bit left-handed, or if you're a right hand, a left-handed right-handed, I feel a little bit unco this morning. If that makes sense, That makes sense to me, and it makes sense to dames because he got a chuckle out of it. Last week, Aidy brought us a, an incredibly powerful message. She um, put something in in motion that I, I really wanted to keep moving on. Well, I, I didn't know that I wanted to keep moving on until Barshi called me during the week and asked if if I would swap with him because he was on this morning. And I said yes and didn't realize I was saying yes in faith because I had zero message to preach. And then as I, as I started to pray and ask God to reveal something, he, he gave me something that has challenged my, my walk and my understanding of, of faith. And I want to I bring that this morning. Adi preached last week about... Um, Moses, right, that Moses was supposed to go into the promised land, that God called Moses and said, Moses, you will lead my people out of Egypt and you will lead them into the land of milk and honey. And Moses got lost along the way, right? He goes into the wilderness and a lot of things take place, but Moses loses his understanding or his eye on God. He loses the, 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 the very thing God told him from the beginning. He loses his heart in the journey, right? He loses his perspective of faith. And he forgets who God is. That when they go to the to the um, to spy the land, they come back, and the report is is that there's lots of evilness in the Lord in the land. There's there's giants, and that they look down on the people as as grasshoppers. And AD revealed to us last week that there's a, a cool challenge that Joshua. When when God calls Joshua, in Joshua one two to nine, he he says, "Go into the land, right? Take what I was going to give to Moses." And when he gets there, he speaks to Rahab. And Rahab says to him, we thought you would have already come with your kin. We thought your God was going to come and destroy us a long time ago. Why has it taken you so long? That even the enemy understood the plan and the assignment that God had given to Moses. When Moses forgotten it, had forgotten it, those who weren't in the call didn't. They realized how big Yahweh was. They realized the power in which he carried, but Moses forgot. And what, what A.D. shared with us was that we have to remember who we are we have to remember that God has called us as an important people for such a time as this that God has revealed moment a moment in history where where the sons and daughters, the kings and priests have to stand up and begin to reveal the things of the kingdom that it is on us to bring the kingdom and usher it in to this to this land to this place and in Joshua 1 2 nine I realize I've just sent you to Hebrews, so I'll just read this and you can go and check it later. But Joshua one two nine, if you're a fast Bible flipper, you can go backwards. But but it says this after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, the people of Israel. Joshua, you know your, your guy you followed, your mentor, the guy who's led you this whole time? He's dead now. Don't, don't, you don't have time to mourn through it. You don't have time to work out whether the shoes are too big for you to fill. He's dead now. Let's go. I've got, I've got the plan. I'm gonna. You know that massive call that I gave him? Yeah, and that you guys all envied and looked at? Yeah, Joshua, I'm giving that to you. Put the boots on. Let's go. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses so I will be with you. No man shall be able to stand, stand before you. I will not leave you or forsake you. No man shall be able to stand before you. Joshua's got to start thinking, when you mean man, do you include the giants that was reported that are in the land? God, do you remember what Moses saw there? Do you remember that there is a great adversary waiting in this land of promise that you've called me to? There is a, 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 a mountain of trouble. Well beyond my eyes can see, I know that when I cross the threshold of the promised land, I'm not coming into milk and honey. First, I'm coming into a land of giants. First, I'm coming into trial and tribulation. And it's almost like we don't see Moses rebut that, but almost like he's thinking that. And God just says to him, be strong and courageous. Joshua, be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. You shall inherit the land that I swore to their fathers. Joshua, I have made a promise and I am fulfilling that promise. I don't care whether it's you or the next guy or the next guy or the next guy. I'm fulfilling the promise. The first person who's willing to pick it up, I'm going to fulfill the promise that I gave to Moses and he forgot who I was. Be strong and courageous. Chapter 7, verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. If you don't turn from me, O, O Joshua, you will have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord God, your God, will go with you wherever you go. Why did Moses forget who he was? I want to put it to you that, there, that maybe Moses started to listen to the people that were around him and he forgot the law he forgot the book in which God had given him. He forgot the word in which God had given him, the Torah, right? The first five books of, of our Bible. He had forgotten what God had said to him, what God had promised to him from generation to generation. In that moment, he had forgotten the forefather. He had forgotten what God had done in the garden. He had forgotten all of those things because he stopped looking heaven way and he started to listen to the report that was coming back from the men around him. So God charges uh, Joshua and says, be strong and courageous. And if it were me, I would start thinking, okay, Lord, I'm trying my best. But what does strong and courageous look like? But then he reminds him, and he says, be strong and very courageous. Now he's added the word very, even more than courageous than before. Well, how do I do that, Lord? Don't turn from it to the right hand or to the left, and don't let the book of law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. We have been given an absolute leg up in our call from God. That we get the rhema word of God. We get the call to lead ourselves where God has called us. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, yet I will continue to remind you who I am. But what you need to do, what's in you to actually achieve is to never let this thing leave your mouth. Never let my words, never let who I am depart from your mouth because the moment that you do, you will be like Moses and you'll forget what the call is. See, I think we see this with churches all the time. I think leaders come into an amazing position where God truly has called them where that place has truly been asked to carry the gospel. Evangelists and prophets the same have truly been called and they begin their journey with all fire in their heart, with the word on their mouth. But as they go along the journey, they begin like Moses to fall away from the things that they've called and they forget who he is in them. But what God says is be strong and courageous. I am in you, but don't forget who I am. The reason the word is so important to us is that it reminds us again and again and again and again who God is. So that when I act in my life, when I live out who I am, I'm doing it through the understanding of who God is. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written. It's not legalism for us to understand the word so much that we never ever want to depart from it. The way I like to describe this is, is like an Ikea table. We don't see it as legalism to get the, the reader's manual out and follow it step by step by step. Because at the end we get a sturdy good table. But for some reason when it comes to, to our faith, we, we get a bit antsy about reading it every day, understanding God, who are you? Asking the Holy Spirit to reveal himself through the pages. Asking the Holy Spirit to reveal himself in that word that just doesn't make sense what moses carried in the beginning of his ministry is i think what what uh, sorry what joshua carried in the beginning of his ministry is what moses forgot along the way and it's not that moses we can blame moses i think moses did a phenomenal job i think he was an amazing father of the faith he carried a tired broken people through absolute devastation He led them to the mountain of the Lord. He revealed God the Father and they still built idols before them. Moses had had a pretty hard slog in his ministry. But along the way, God said, I can't bring you into the promised land because you've forgotten who I am. I wonder how many of us have been called called and called and called and called and called and we've forgotten who God has said he is in us. We've allowed the word to depart from our mouth so that the calling he gave us so long ago has been forgotten. I know in this city there are incredibly gifted men and women of God who don't know who they are anymore. The word of of God, Yahweh, has left their lips. They're not bad people. They're not sinning. They're not caught in the wrong things. They've just forgotten what the call was. They've forgotten who God is who said, no, there is more to this than just getting by. I have a plan and a purpose for you, but you've allowed my word to leave your lips. Remember me and be strong and very courageous because where I'm calling you, I need you to be right now. The book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Joshua, the way you beat the giants, the way you come into the promised land, the way you do what nobody else could, is you put the the book of the law on your mouth and let it never leave. Remember me, Joshua. Remember me in all that you do. Remember who I am. Jump forward to Hebrews now if you left to go back to Joshua. Hebrews 11. If you have a a Bible and you read it, do that. Before I go into Hebrews, the reason we are doing this masterclass in two, three weeks, whichever the date is, pause, 2nd of April, April. thank you, Edie. The reason we are doing this is not because we need another event to run and we like people signing up to things. The reason we are doing this is because we believe that this needs to be written on our hearts and on our lips. And that there's so many, myself included, who struggle to read this. I am going to the masterclass. I will have a pad and pen and I will eagerly be listening to the guy who is leading it because I want to learn more. I don't care if he takes us all the way back to basics about how to read what the chapter is and what the verse is. You guys know because I get it wrong all the time that we can confuse that stuff. I don't care whether he takes us so deep that I feel over my head and I just get one small thing. I am going because of what Joshua said. Let this be on my lips, O Lord. Let me have a fire in my belly to learn this like never before so that your words never depart from me so that when I go into the land of the giants, I will have a foundation that cannot be broken. See, Jesus says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And when we go into those places, he hasn't left us nor forsaken us. We've forgotten how to actually draw on him who's there with us. We blind ourselves in the midst of the battle. He doesn't leave us. We lose our vision of him. We set our eyes on other things and Jesus is standing beside us going, Ben, I'm right here. I'm right here with you. Lean on me. Lean on me. But we forget how to keep our eyes on him and what we are attempting to do is to bring us back to a foundation to say this is important but do we know how to access it the master class is not so that we can tick off something from a box the master class is to help us understand in a greater way if you are a beginner it will help you start if you are a intermediate, it will help you continue. If you're a pro, well done, it will still help you. Why? Because there's people out there who know more than us and they want to share the glimpse of what God's shown them. There's a quote that says, always listen to somebody like they know something you don't. Jordan Peterson said that, I think. And I I, I take such a challenge in that because we can learn something from everybody. And I want to challenge you, Wherever you at are at in your Bible reading journey, come. If it's no good, then you'll know for next time. But I promise you'll get something. I promise you'll take one note on the fancy pad that we'll give you. I promise, one note. Is that okay? Ad finished. Hebrews. Did Kat put a slide up? Cat, you're the best. Thank you, Kat. Hebrews 11, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation. Joshua had to operate in faith. He did not know what he was going into per se. He did not know how big the giants were. He didn't know how fortified the lands were. He didn't know where God was calling him. He knew to go. But faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The assurance is, I know that I know that I know that what God is doing is for me and he is who he said he is. That's assurance. Let me put it this way. I know that I know that I know that God has a place for us after Indecor. I know it. In my stomach, in my heart, I know it's there. The thing that I'm hoping for is that God is where we're going. He is where we are and He is where we're going. I know that I know that I know that I am more than a conqueror in Christ. So the, the assurance is that I know it's there what is it that's there? The thing God has for me. The conviction is the state of being to be found or true. I'm not guessing that it's there. I know by the evidence of who God is that the thing is there. That who he says I am is in the place that we're going. But the challenge is, as it says in Hebrews 11, that it's the things not seen. But Ben, where are we going? I don't know. Why? Because it's somewhere there. Outside of my vision, it's there. But how can you be so sure that it's there? Because I have faith. I'm assured I know that I know that I know that it's there. But it's not seen. See, because the whole kingdom that God operates in is in between two realms, the seen and the unseen. We operate as Christians oftentimes in the unseen. When you pray for somebody for healing, you're praying that the unseen will be made seen. right? If a person is sick, they're saying, well, I can't see past the fact that I'm sick. Sick, But in faith, we see what's not there. So we're praying and asking for the unseen to be made manifest. Manifest just means physical, before us, can actually see it. A little bit down in Hebrews 11... In verse 6, it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Do you know when Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, sometimes we have to see that in the faith realm because we can't actually see or feel His presence with us. So when we feel lonely and abandoned, we have to remember in our eye of faith that God is with us and He stands before us. So what we're doing in that is we're not seeing Him or feeling Him in that moment, but we know in faith that He stands with us. That's the unseen realm being made seen in the seen realm. Does that make sense? This is incredibly important. Why? Because this is the very foundational thing that we as Christians are called to do. AD spoke last week about the fact that people say, I don't know why, but I see Jesus in you. I don't know why, but I see or feel God. I don't know why, but I feel like you've been sent to me. What that is, is the unseen realm coming into the seen realm. When a non-believer says there's something different about you, but they can't put their finger on it, do you know what that is? It's the unseen realm being made manifest in the seen realm. It's a three-dimensional world being made seen in a two-dimensional understanding. It's incredibly important because we need to understand what's happening because when we operate in the kingdom of God, when we draw on heaven all the time, the unseen realm gets made seen. And people start to go, how are you doing this? In Acts, Simon the magician, he's seen all the things, but he feels something different. And he says, how do you manage to do the same things that I do with power? That's the unseen realm. He's feeling the presence of God. So why doesn't God just make himself known? I had a friend who once said, Clint, a good friend of mine, he used to say, I think he got it from somewhere else, but I remember it from him. So he used to say, why doesn't God just take all the oxygen out of the air just for three seconds? Just zap the oxygen, hold, let everyone go, do you know who I am? And then drop the oxygen back. We would, people would be flooding in. Who, is this, who was that? Right? But it seems too easy. It seems too easy because what happens then is we start to worship Him out of fear that He's going to take the oxygen again. See, when we come to worship like we did this morning through the blood and the body of Christ, we come in faith. Why? Because you can't see what's going to take place in the realm this morning. We don't actually know what we did in the, in the realm of the Spirit this morning in the unseen realm. And there are times that in those worshipping moments the unseen gets made seen But what we have to do is have faith that, Lord, I'm going to glorify you because I know that when I glorify your name, it echoes all the way through eternity. That the wave of your worship, the wave of your glorification, the actual praise and worship of the glory of the King will change atmospheres. And Lord, we know that without the faith to worship you, it's impossible to please you. We must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. I had a, when I was at uni, there was a, I was telling this story last week, there was a a lecturer who was a very, very intelligent man. He had a a doctorate in criminology and and criminal justice, and he was just a very, very smart guy. Like you felt dumb just standing next to him because he was so smart. And I got caught off guard because somehow he found out that I was a Christian, not by my, uh, at, at that time and probably even now, I was very um, timid around him because he was so smart. And we were standing in a circle and we were all having a laugh and a joke and out of nowhere, it felt like to me anyway, out of nowhere, he laughed and he, we were laughing at him for doing something silly and he laughed and he said, yeah, but Ben believes in aliens. And I was like, what? He says, yeah, you believe God exists, don't you? I was like, yeah. He goes, see, Ben believes in aliens. And I, I was one. I wasn't in a place to articulate a conversation back to. I kind of just shrunk back into myself and laughed. And he said to me, will you come and talk with me? He says, yeah, I'll come and talk with you. So we go. He, after everyone laughs at me, I was fine with that. We joked, laughed, had a thing. I went to his office and I sat with him and we talked, and I've got to tell you, I've never felt more inadequate in a conversation in all my life. I'm trying to argue for the existence of God who cannot be seen to a man who knows that one plus one equals two, and he spent his whole life defining it. I'm praying, Lord, just put an angel in here or something. Give me something. Put, put gold dust on the floor. Put put something. Give me something. Give me something. I'm, I'm like sitting there like, Lord, I'm well out of my boots here. I need something. And I listened to his point and I came back with what I'm sure if I could listen back now was a very inadequate explanation of the kingdom and God. I did my best and he ran rings around me. And in the end, I said, okay, I'll accept defeat to you. Let's say I'm wrong. And this was God. I didn't realize it at the time, but this was absolutely the Holy Spirit. I said, let's say I'm wrong. Tell me why I should live my life. And he said, what? I said, well, you've got the answers, right? I'm wrong. My way is broken. Give me the way. Let me follow your amazing, incredible journey. He said, well, what I think is we're all very lucky. We rolled the dice and we got the numbers we needed and we are here for the short existence that we get and that's it. And I said, okay, sweet. So I'm just a lucky guy. Why in the world would I waste my time sitting here talking to you about this then? Why don't I just go rob a bank, live on the hip, fire from, just live my life? And he said, well, I can't really answer that. We just got to try and live the best we can. And I said, for what reason? He said, well, so that we die good people. I was like, who cares? Who cares if we die good people? What difference does it make? They're not going to remember me in the past. They're surely not going to remember me in the future. What difference does it make? And I left that office. He said to me, he goes, that's just life. And I said, that's a sad reality. I'll take mine 10 times out of 10. I left that office. A lot of stuff came out that he was not a very good man, it turns out. But I left that office thinking to myself, man, I'd rather give a 100 years and be wrong than live the 100 years with that awful thought and spend eternity broken and lost. I have no idea why I told that story. But faith, I had faith. God, move in this man's life, move. I, I was more afraid that I was going to do or say something wrong but I want to show you something that Aidi showed us and I'm going to end with this. I want to show you something that, that Aidy touched on last week that I think is quite powerful. She told the story of Matthew 14 where, where Peter is on the boat and he gets off and he asks Jesus, can I come and walk on the water? It says, after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, the wind was against them. And the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, and he said, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come on the, on the water to you. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water and he came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him saying, "O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got in the boat, the wind ceased and everybody in the boat worshipped him saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. O you of little faith, why did you doubt? In Matthew 17, we see again, Jesus, he's in the crowd of people, Matthew 17:14 to 20. And it says, When they came to the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he suffers terribly. For often he falls in the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. Jesus, he answers, he turns to the disciples and he answers, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. Jesus rebukes the demon and he saves him. In account of the disciples not doing what they were called to do, Jesus says the same thing every time. You of little faith. You of little faith. But then Jesus also recounts that all we need is the faith of a mustard seed. If you don't know what a mustard seed is, it's about yay big. And it grows an amazing plant that overtakes everything. So we've got, all we need is the faith of a mustard seed, which is this big, and they have little faith. So below the faith of the mustard seed. So Jesus is like, I I imagine Jesus, this is how I've always imagined this verse. Jesus has got his hands up and he's saying, you had this much faith, less than a mustard seed. But Peter had the faith that nobody else had, he got out of the boat. That seems more than a mustard seed to me. He said, If it's you, I'll come out of the of the boat onto the water into the storm. That seems to me like more than a mustard seed of faith. The problem is is that Jesus is not meaning size of faith. That word small is the Greek word oligos, and it means brief, short, little, or while. He's not saying you don't have enough, because all we need is a mustard seed. He's saying the faith must extend beyond a moment. The faith in a moment is not enough to withstand the call and the journey that I've given for you. The faith in a moment will not bring you through what I need you to come through. You need faith in the long standing journey. I don't need you to have faith to get out of the boat. I need you to keep the faith beyond our time on the water. See, what happens is we have faith to start the ministry. We have faith to start the conversation. We have faith to walk into that professor's room. We have faith to start it, but then we get into the midst of it and we start feeling like the giant is bigger than us and we forget who we are. Moses had faith in the beginning, but his faith weaned when he forgot who he was. God is not saying you don't have enough. He's saying you don't hold it for long enough. You don't hold it for long enough. Ben, will you have faith in this thing I've called you to after two years? Yes, Lord. Will you have faith after three years? Yes, Lord. What about five? What about 10? What about when no one else believes in you at 15? What about when everyone calls you a heretic at 20? Do you have faith then? Because that's when I need you to have faith. That's the mustard seed that you need then, and then again, and then again, and then again. God is calling us to see the unseen come into the scene and we need faith all the time to make that journey. It continues on in, in Hebrews eleven thirteen. It says, all these great fathers of the faith, all these great moves of people that we read about in the Old Testament, they all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our desire as a Christian community, as followers of Christ in the faith, desire for this place to look like our home. For this place to take the image of our homeland, which is heaven. See, we are in Christ and He in us, which means we are seated at the right hand of the Father. That is our home place. But we desire here a homeland that mirrors the one on which we've come from. Does that make sense? It's our call as a people. We are are vagabonds, wanderers, exiles in this place because we are not of the world. We are of a heavenly realm. We are of the unseen people. We carry what, what, what others cannot see and we manifest, we bring it forth into the seen realm. Our job as Christians is not to be good people, to smile and pay for the person's coffee behind us and make people feel good. Our job as Christians is to bring the unseen realm into the seen realm. It flows through us. It flows out of us from one place to another. We want to make everywhere we go the homeland of heaven, to be image bearers of where we've come from. Joshua, everywhere your foot touches, Everywhere your foot touches, why? Because you are a holy person. Everywhere we go as members of the body of Christ, we make that ground holy. We make that ground holy. We make it a homeland of heaven. We make the king of glory be the king in that place through us. We carry the authority to achieve what God is calling us into when we have the faith that goes beyond a moment we have the faith that extends beyond what we think it extends into. Hebrews, to finish, Hebrews 11.3 says this, through faith, the hope in the unseen, through faith, we understand that the worlds, plural, worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen are, We're not made of things which do appear. What in the world is he saying? Through faith, right? We all know what faith is. We just learned it. The hope in the unseen, the know, the assurance that God will move in that place, that God's glory will be made manifest. Through that, we understand that the dimensions, both unseen and seen, were framed by the rhema word of God. Everything that exists came from the mouth of the Father. Everything. Everything exists, came from the rhema word of God. The word of God. What we have here is the essence, of the rhema of God, revealed and explained to us by the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Is everyone following? I'm going to finish, I promise, and we'll have coffee and snacks. But I, I, I want this to, to land because it's in, incredibly important. So that things which are seen were not made of the things of this world. How do we know when the Spirit's moving? Because we know the things are of God, not of the world. We can feel that the unseen things are manifest in the place. How do we know when Tim streams a guitar that, that, that God is present in the place? How do we know when I wake up on Sunday morning and I, or on, on Monday morning and I ask God with all that I am, Lord, come and move? How do I know that he's there? Because the unseen things get made seen in my life. So does that mean that if gold dust doesn't appear on my hand or a cloud doesn't appear overhead, we haven't achieved it? No. No. Because it doesn't always come the way we want it to. God moves in peculiar ways, ways that are not our ways. It can come from a moment where you see something where you go, man, someone was telling me about that. I've just seen that thing change my life. When someone says something that catches you off guard, when you feel a remembrance of a joy in my spirit, God is moving in our midst in that place. That's the unseen being made seen in our understanding, in our way of life. God is calling us to be a people that reveals the things of the kingdom to those who do not understand that it exists. So it is paying the coffee for the person behind you. It is operating in love beyond measure. It is those things and so much more. When we start to operate in the kingdom that God has called us to, we start to see the unseen be made seen. When our faith extends beyond a moment and can be held through a duration, God, I trust you. I'm going into a conversation that I feel inadequate for, but I trust you. Lord, we're stepping and waiting for a new building or a new place for for people to gather, but I trust you. God, we've not heard anything for weeks, but I trust you. God, this bill looks beyond, beyond my understanding, but I trust you. Why? Because I have faith that there's something in the unseen that has not yet come into the scene. That's the faith that we have. That's the assurance hey, dude, do you know that you've got like four weeks before you have to have a building and you've done nothing? I know, it's crazy, I get it. But there's something in the unseen that I can't do anything with until it's made seen. Hey, do you know that that bill's due tomorrow and you've got the only money you've got in your pocket you just gave away? I know, it is insane. But there's something in the unseen that I can't quite do until I can bring it into the scene. God is going to operate not the way he did to our fathers. He's going to operate today differently to how he has before. When we see revival, it's not going to be Azusa Street. It's not going to be the Welsh revival. Why? Because that was a time and a place that differs to today and now and here. If God moves in you, it's not going to be how he moved in your mother or your father or your friend why? because you're a different person at a different time don't be open to something that's happened before be open to God moving bringing the unseen into the scene regardless of what it looks like if we are willing to lay down what it's looked like in the past and operate where God asks us and say Lord I don't know what it looks like but I know that I know that I know that what you've said will come to pass I believe it to be true and I'm standing on your word that's faith forward does that make sense? Does anyone have any questions before I stand and pray out? I'm happy to take a question. I might not be able to answer it, but no? Let's stand. Lord, God, we humbly come. God, we ask for forgiveness. Lord, we repent of the times, Father, that we have lost faith. God, I repent of the times where I have lost faith. Father, where you have called me to do something and I have got lost in the things that I could see and I've forgotten the things that were unseen. Father, I repent of the times, Lord, where where I have forgotten that you are in my midst. Lord, where the giants have looked bigger than your kingdom. Lord, I repent for the times where I couldn't be bothered, Father, because there wasn't enough in it for me, but I couldn't see what was taking place in the unseen. Father, I repent for the times, Lord, where I haven't prayed for those, God, who could shift the nations because I've felt tired or insignificant. Father, I ask humbly that you would give us the faith to run and continue running. God, that you would renew our strength daily, that you would renew our faith daily so it's not a moment, God, but we hold tight so that we don't sink, so that we don't sink midway through our core, but Lord, that we would have the faith to hold tight till the end. God, give us the passion and the desire to see your kingdom come, to see your will be done. God, to make a homeland of your kingdom in this place. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Father, give us the eyes to see where we don't feel like it's landed or we don't feel like we've achieved anything, to see the heavenly response of the unseen into the seen. God, where we can see your kingdom moving and shaking. Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you've done, God. I thank you that we can come into this place so freely and worship you and glorify you. God, that we can stand before your throne because you have made us holy and made us whole. Lord, I thank you for what you did on that cross. God, that you died and rose again, that you ascended, that you were seated on power, God. Thank you for who you are, Lord. We love you, we honor you, and we declare your kingship in this house, declare your kingship in this city, and we declare your kingship in this nation. You are the king of kings. God, we worship you. We honour you and we glorify your beautiful name. Amen.